You're listening to Math Unmuted, where math educators work together to elevate student voice and unmute the math experience in the classroom. My name is Mario Valdez. I have found that um, experiences such as lesson studies where um, teachers get away, get an experience where they get to work together, do some math, uh, anticipate what might happen in the classroom, and then go in and observe students at work, um, that such fabulous thinking happens both for the teachers and the students, and they see the potential that is lying there in their classrooms. Yeah, it makes me think that the teacher you've just described has not had opportunities to see or engage with mathematics that encourage thinking, that help them to see the mathematics more broadly. So when I hear something like my my students can't, it makes me wonder if they are really talking about themselves. Like, are they really saying, I can't? In today's episode, we are joined by two inspiring math educators, Marta Garcia and Polly Wagner. Marta is an independent math consultant who has worked with schools, districts, and universities to reimagine math as vibrant, inclusive, and accessible. Polly specializes in K-8 mathematics, supporting schools, administrators, and teachers to think strategically about improving mathematics teaching and learning in their district. Marta and Polly founded and co-facilitate an online professional learning network for all math educators. In part one of our conversation, we reflect on how to support a discouraged teacher and and gain insight into how to design coaching or professional development sessions for math teachers. Hello and welcome to another edition of Math Unmuted. My name is Mario Valdez. We are honored to have two inspiring math coaches, Marta Garcia and Polly Wagner for today's conversation. Marta and Polly, welcome to Math Unmuted. Before we jump into our conversation, can you both introduce yourselves and share with our listeners your current role in education? Sure. Mario, thank you so much for having Polly and I here. We always appreciate our opportunity to collaborate with you and learn with you. Um, My name is Marta. I live in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I've been a teacher, math coach, district math specialist for over 30 years now. Um, I had amazing learning experiences as as a classroom teacher. For example, I got to participate in some National Science um, Foundation research projects that focused on student thinking around algebraic ideas. And these experiences really transformed how I thought about myself as a math learner and about the teaching of math. So um, as I said, I've been a math coach, a math specialist. I co-facilitate a professional learning network for coaches with uh, Polly. And um, I uh, currently am um, an instructor for the Math Leadership Master's Program at Mount Holyoke. And I'm also part of an equity team that is working on developing support for teachers and coaches on equitable participation in math class. So that's what I'm up to right now. Polly? Yeah. Um, so, so I began my work in mathematics when I was a classroom teacher and was a part of a four year grant called Teaching to the Big Ideas, um, with Deborah Shifter and Susan Joe Russell and Virginia Bastable. And it launched me into this wonderful world of engaged and dedicated mathematics educators. I am forever thankful to them and that um, work that I did as a classroom teacher. 
Um, and then after that, I uh, worked in the Boston Public Schools as a mathematics coach. Um, and since then, I've worked as a coach and a consultant in multiple school districts. Um, I also work as a college instructor. And as Marta mentioned, she and I began this PLN which is where Mario, I got a chance to meet you, um, which is open and free to um, all mathematics coaches and researchers and specialists. It's open to anybody who's interested in mathematics. And I also work on a number of research projects. And currently I'm working on um, a project researching student identity and mathematics. And like Marta, um, I've been working for over 30 years um, in education and I'm not ready to stop. I love it. I'm constantly engaged by it and, um, and the teachers I meet and the coaches I meet. Thank you, Polly and Marta, for sharing with our listeners. I'd like to start off our conversation today by taking a moment to reflect on a question that we've asked all our guests. And I've stated in the past that I think there's so much value and inspiration we can gain when we as a math community have opportunities to listen to each other's math stories. Saying that, if you could travel in time to a moment in your own math journey, what is something that you wish you could have said in a math class, either as a teacher? or as a student? Oh, I love this question, Mario. I really like lingering. I like lingering and thinking more about mathematical ideas. I like to play with those ideas. I like trying multiple strategies or posing questions about those same ideas. Um, I easily and readily make connections to art. So I work with and think a lot about mathematics and art. Um, and I like to make connections between them. So I think I wish when I had been in math class and somebody, if somebody would have said, what would I have wished that I could have said, I would have asked for more materials. I would have asked for colored pens, pencils, paper, fabric, cubes. I like materials that enable me enable me to meander more and explore more deeply any math task. And as I say this, I think that that would also signal to me that the teacher let me have time time to be able to like percolate on whatever idea I was interested in. How about you, Mar uh, Marta? Well, gosh, Polly, I really, I really um, connect to everything you said. And I, I wish that I had had, had said to the teacher, I didn't think about it that way. I wish I had would have lifted my ideas and not been intimidated by the teacher's way being the only way. Um, the teacher up at the board having a math party and my brain doing things a completely different way. <laughs> I mean, I wish I had known and felt the power of my ideas and also that I had invited others to share their thinking as well. I just love this idea of a collective intelligence um, in a math class and math being as a collect 
collaborative endeavor. Um, I just wish I had asked for that. Um, I didn't ask for that as a teacher in my professional learning either until I began to experience a completely different way of learning as a teacher. Um, so that is part of what I take with me now as I work with others um, is I didn't do it that way. Yeah. Can I just add on really quickly, Marta, to what you just said? Because you're making me think as a student, a young student, I didn't get that opportunity. But as an adult learner and teacher, I did. I did get that opportunity from those three professionals I just mentioned. Deborah, Susan Joe, and Virginia offered me that opportunity. Kathy Richardson has offered me that opportunity. And other math leaders who, which is why I feel so lucky to be here is that I get to now do, yeah, relive that experience and, and get to say the things that you just said. I get to have my hands on materials and I get to say, I don't think about it that way. Thank you, Polly Ann. Marta, listening to your reflections, two points resonated with me, the importance of, of creating time in our classrooms for students and teachers who experience math to be able to think deeply about mathematics and have opportunities to explore those ideas and the importance for our students to be the ones making sense of mathematics and removing that narrative that the teacher's way is the only way to make sense of mathematics. Uh, One of the goals for this podcast is for math educators to have conversations around our collective experiences, our journeys within mathematics. And in previous episodes, we've discussed and shared different strategies and teacher moves that focus in on elevating student voice in the math class. However, for this conversation, I'd like for us to highlight and focus in on the role of a math coach in math instruction How do we support that teacher who says, my students can't do that, or that strategy will never work in my classroom? And this question is not intended to place judgment on anyone, rather to understand the why and the why behind the resistance or um, the why behind the discouragement. Um, Polly, I'm curious to hear your perspective on how do we support that teacher who is discouraged and not open to those new instructional strategies? Yeah, it makes me think that the teacher you've just described has not had opportunities to see or engage with mathematics that encourage thinking, that help them to see the mathematics more broadly. So when I hear something like my my students can't, it makes me wonder if they are really talking about themselves. Like, are they really saying, I can't, or... I don't know how to implement that strategy, or I've never seen that strategy. But whether they're talking about themselves or their students, it helps us as math coaches know what we need to do next to support teachers so they can begin to see it themselves. And once they understand a new strategy or learn to see the mathematics in a more complex view and see its beauty for themselves, then we as math coaches can work on trusting students and then focus their attention on listening to students' ideas. So when students, I mean, when teachers see or learn new ideas for themselves, they'll be better positioned to hear their students' mathematical ideas. 
Yes, Polly, I so agree with everything you're saying. And, and I think that, you know, one aspect to first consider is, you know, how does the teacher or how do the teachers that we're working with who might um, say this statement, uh, how do they identify with what it means to do math? Like, what is their definition or, or viewpoint of what it means to do math? Um, that really guides us in understanding when they say my kids can't do this, what it is that they expect that kids be able to do. Um, we can also consider what, what are the beliefs that a teacher or a group of teachers might hold that might be impacting his, her, their expectations of what is possible in the work of their students. I have found that um, experiences such as lesson studies where um, teachers get away, get an experience where they get to work together, do some math, uh, anticipate what might happen in the classroom, and then go in and observe students at work, um, that such fabulous thinking happens both for the teachers and the students. And they see the potential that is lying there in their classrooms. Um, for many of us in the field, the way we experienced math learning was very different than the way than the vision of what we have in our classrooms. And it's really hard to take action on something that you really can't hold on to. So one of the most important things um, that Polly and I try to establish is that doing math together, engaging in mathematics that's both rigorous and joyful, gives teachers an opportunity to live the experience that we want um, them to consider uh, fostering in their classrooms. To your point, Polly and Marta, I think you both highlighted the importance of having opportunities to experience mathematics, uh, to do the math, to be part of a lesson study, to be part of a group where you can anticipate and debrief. I truly believe those rich experiences shift practices and sadly, many math educators don't get those opportunities on, as a common practice. I can testify to your point, Polly. I, I was that teacher who at the beginning of my career um, doubted. I, I found myself thinking my students can't do that. And it was a consequence of how I perceived math and my own math experience. My own understanding was I needed to finish my math lesson within a 45-minute span. I needed timers for all my activities. I needed a quick exit ticket. I remember reflecting with my coach at the time and sharing how I purposely started my math class first thing in the morning from 8.30 to 9.15 because I wanted to get it out of the way as soon as possible. And during the lesson, I was very nervous. My approach was very different to other content areas. And my students took notice. I remember students saying as we reflected at the end of the school year, saying you're different during math class. And at the time, I was not aware of the meaning behind that comment until years later. But I was teaching with fear, right? I was teaching math with fear. And um, I remember thinking my day doesn't start until math class ends. And I felt that way because of my past experiences with math. So I think it goes back to what we've highlighted today and the importance for teachers to have opportunities to experience math, to be learners, and to be able to create new positive experiences. Yes, absolutely, Mario. Your And, and your story mirrors mine, except mine was backwards. I did math at the end of the day, hoping that I would run out of time and not have to teach math. And always waited to teach fractions at the end of the year because I didn't understand fractions. And so um, I, I, you know, as Polly was sharing and you're sharing, um, we've been fortunate to have experiences 
that have allowed us to, uh, you know, make a new, a new math identity for ourselves and to consider what we're capable of so we can consider what our students are capable of. And that's just so critical that we keep that in mind. Um, you know, Elena Aguilar talks a lot about rut stories. Um, and for many of us, we have rut stories that we're continually telling ourselves and rut stories about our students that can be turned into some new narratives. Yeah. I can't tell you how many teachers say to me, I didn't learn this way, right? So it's such a new way to think about how to learn, much less how do I teach and enjoy the teaching of it. So yeah, so the work that Marta and I do needs to start from that place of re-envisioning what mathematics can be and how mathematics learning can look and feel. Yeah. And I think we've alluded to our next talking point. We highlighted the importance of providing teachers with experiences where they can be learners and experience mathematics. I'm curious from the coach's perspective, Marta and Polly, what is your thought process when planning for a coaching session or professional development? Well, it's all about the learning, right? So what do we want people to learn? What do teachers want to learn? What does the administration want for their school to learn? And then we think about how to best do that learning. And our primary goals are always centered around three things. Student learning and elevating their voice important mathematics, and then creating equitable classroom cultures that inspire, engage, provoke, and promote mathematical competencies and the general love of mathematics. So if we keep that at sort of our starting space and then knowing that we need to sort of reach out and know our community, right? Know that because every community is going to be a little different. What do you think, Marta? Yeah, so really those three aspects of um, coaching, really focusing on students, um, focusing on understanding and the important mathematical ideas, and then really thinking about creating equitable classroom cultures, all work in, in, in concert with each other. Um, and we can think about, you know, there's overlapping characteristics of when a coach um, or a math specialist plans um, a series of professional learning sessions um, or when they're planning coaching cycles. So there's some there's some overlapping characteristics of planning those two specific types of coaching frameworks, but there's also some nuances in each of those frameworks that, that we have to pay attention to. So for example, in a coaching cycle, we may have a focus that relates to a specific teacher need or goal or a team of teachers needs or goals. And then when developing professional learning sessions or a series of sessions, we would be thinking about school-wide goals or goals that might the district might or initiatives that might be in place. And these are developed over time for a larger group of practitioners. Um, So in addition to thinking about what our goals are, we also have to consider what the group or the individuals we're working with are ready to take on, right? So, you know, what have they've already been working on? What are they ready to, to try out? 
And then what's the long range plan that's going to build in time for reflection, growth and sustainability? Always thinking about like, what are the bite-sized pieces or steps that are actionable and feasible for those who are being asked to do the work? That's just so important, right? So it's always the planning has to be a collaboration between the person who's sharing a plan and those who are going to engage in the plan. If as a coach, we're just thinking about here's where we, here's where I want to end and I'm going to do A, B, C, D to get there. And we never think about where people are starting or give people an opportunity to reflect and give feedback. Then um, no matter how well planned your work is, you're going to get um, some bumps there. So that's something Polly and I really pay attention to. Yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of the art and the science of our work right? We can give you the prescription, which we have, like how we go about it. But then it's all about sussing out the people that we work with, making sure we're, we're open to new ideas, listening to where they're coming from, and then crafting something that we think will be engaging for them and that will get them to their next learning edge. It's like any good teaching. So there's, you know, there's frameworks out there that you can use to help you plan for professional learning or to plan coaching cycles. And those are all really helpful for someone who's just starting out. Um, Jim Knight's work, Lucy West has things. Um, NCSM has a wonderful coaching corner that has so many great resources. And all of those give you um, sort of like a, you know, think you're coaching a football team or something. You've got the game plan, but you, but, but you've got to pay attention what's happening in the game um, and be responsive to the players. Thank you for listening to part one of our conversation with Polly and Marta. Make sure you check out part two of this conversation in the weeks to come. For more information, check out our show notes to connect with our guests and their work. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Math Unmuted. Take care, everyone. Until next time.